Rocky works on climbing away, and Riff Raff and Magenta do this, like, dance or, like, ritual it, bit where they put their hands together and, like, move up. That, and That is called elbow sex. Elbow sex. Great. So they had elbow sex. Elbow sex. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I'm not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am joined by actor, director, set designer, someone who knows Rocky Horror Picture Show very well, Abby Wadups. Abby, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a very busy week, but we're good. We're here. We're recording. Now, when I posted on Facebook just saying that I was looking, you were like, I love this show, I this movie. I've been a fan for like 25 plus years. So like, what is your background in the movie? Do you remember when you first saw it and you um, know, anything like that? Yes. So I I did mention to you earlier that I grew up doing theater, sorry, when I was a child. And there were some friends of mine who were a couple years older than me, and they were super into Rocky Horror. And so actually at a children's theater, when we were like having set build days and stuff, we were listening to Rocky Horror. And so I got into the music that way through them. And then I had another friend at school, this is in middle school or junior high, who was also a fan. And so I feel like as soon as I was awakened to its wonderfulness, I became a huge Rocky Horror fan. Fair. That's very fair. Yeah, the music is really iconic. That's the one thing that I knew a little bit about. I mean, not a lot of it. I've just I just knew about Time Warp coming into this movie. But it's like a socially acceptable song that's pretty much played at every Halloween thing or uh, you know conferences, things like that. Yeah, we played them in pep band. We played Time Warp in pep band growing up and did the dancing and all of it, like putting on a halftime show. It was a whole thing. So yeah, yeah, it was a really fun time. But so you've been a fan for a very long time, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So why don't we just jump straight into it? Because we have a lot to talk about with this amazing film. So where we just left off was that Dr. Frankenfurter had killed Eddie. And now he and Rocky have gone off to go get married. And so we're back with who I've been calling the Cigar Man. And this time around, the little subtitles told me that his name was just like Narrator. Narrator, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not as much fun. So I'm going to keep calling him Cigar Man for the rest of this podcast because Cigar Man's significantly more interesting than Narrator. But he says that there are those that say life is an illusion and that reality is simply a figment of our imagination. Yes. And I just thought that that was a beautiful quote. It is, but there's also some audience participation in between there that will mess up that beautiful quote for you, but make you laugh. Oh, what's the audience participation? Because I don't know any of that. So. The audience participation is like your neck. (laughs) And so is your fucking neck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you were mentioning to me that, like, the audience makes fun of the narrator's neck a lot. Yes. The audience makes fun of a lot of things, but I still respect and love the film itself and the show. Um, But the audience participation makes it like just that whole other level of so much fun. Because you have to imagine with the audience participation, you're in a movie theater at night and you're amongst all these Rocky Horror fans or those people who haven't seen them before, which, by the way, are called virgins. And uh, and so you're amongst these, you know, all these people yelling out things at the movie screen as it goes along. So it adds a lot to the movie. Do they do that in like when it's a live show as well? Or do they only do that for the movie? It totally depends on the who's producing the play. But usually they welcome some form of audience participation. The only thing is that the audience participation has a lot to do with the timing and the dialogue. And so some of the dialogue will match up. But the timing won't necessarily. So it's kind of difficult to watch a live production, someone else's version, and uh, and do the audience participation. But most of them will welcome it. And, you know, people get up and do a time warp and things like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Makes sense. Yeah. So, apparently, if this is true, Brad and Janet are safe. And then he gets all serious, and he's like, however, with the sudden departure of their host and his creation into the seclusion of the bridal suite, it left them feeling apprehensive. And this feeling grew as the other guests departed, and they were shown to separate rooms. And I was like, yes, let Brad be free of Janet. So, for context, because I don't think you know this yet, but the listeners do, I hate Janet so much. (laughs) She is a horrible person to Brad. I do not like her, and Brad is the sweetest soul who deserves better, in my opinion. I mean, I can be wrong, but this is where I'm at. (laughs) So in the audience participation, uh, Janet is referred to as a slut, and Brad is referred to as an asshole. Okay. But um, actually, I think that, you know, she's just being that young ingenue who wouldn't have a lot of, I don't know, power, say, or... Experience? short (laughs) yeah i know what you mean it's kind of hard to describe when you're not you know in the field it it it, everyone kind of knows what that is but it's a hard thing to describe so yeah i totally get it but yeah i just do not like janet and janet ends up in her room and we see that there's a camera that's like watching her and we see riffraff and magenta are watching her and then brad is also shown a room which is a separate room and i was like are we watching him do we see what's going on there i don't know we we haven't been told yet and then we had a beautiful shot and i don't know how they might do this on the stage but the shot was just janet was behind some curtains with the red lights and you can just see her silhouette and that there's someone at the door it was just a beautiful shot and i like this whole sequence because you don't see any faces and it's all just done with silhouettes it is pretty much done that way on stage too. And or um, we haven't talked about there being shadow casts. When you go to the movie theater, there are people who act out the film in front of it. And it is done with a, a screen of some kind or a curtain and then lighting behind so that you can just see their silhouette. Okay. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. I've done a couple of shows where, you know, we've done silhouettes and stuff. And it's very fun doing that type of work. Um, for me personally, I enjoy it. And I always find it interesting. And I feel like they did it very tastefully in this film as well. But so we hear someone's at the door and, you know, there are some wolves howling and Brad enters and Janet invites him into bed. Brad climbs in and starts to get all hot and heavy, as they say. And Janet is like, what if someone hears us kind of thing? And Brad's like, no, 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 everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. They start kissing. Janet grabs his hair and turns out it's a wig and it's Frankenfurter. I didn't see that coming. I should have. I really should have. But like, (laughs) I was like, okay. Janet's obviously very upset by this. Calls him a beast, a monster, various things of insult. And Janet tries to protest, saying that she would never, and then Frankenfurter just cuts her off, saying, like, I know, I know, don't worry about it. But Janet is like, what have you done with Brad? And I love how Frankenfurter's like, nothing. Should I have done something? Like, so pure. (laughs) The audience participation is uh, nothing, saving the best for last. Oh, okay. So... As a general, do people like Janet more, or do you think people like Brad more? Um, no. No. Okay, that's a good answer. No. (laughs) I know Susan Sarandon didn't even like Janet. Susan Sarandon pretty much doesn't ever want to be be referred to as Janet or be remembered for this movie. There are so many other films under her belt that, you know, in her resume that she wants to be known for, but it's definitely not Rocky Horror. Okay. I mean, Barry Boswick, he'll do those cons and stuff, so he's not ashamed of it by any means. Yeah, he's not ashamed of it. He's just like, yeah, it was a project that I worked on years ago. So, yeah. I wonder if, do you know if Tim Curry goes to any of like the cons and stuff? Because I know that like he is like, everyone loves Tim Curry in this film. Right. So he does do a lot of cons. You know, if you pay a you can meet him. I never have been lucky enough to do that. But um, he also had a major stroke years ago. And he's been confined to a wheelchair and having trouble speaking ever since. So he definitely wouldn't be the same, you know, person that people remember. Okay. Yeah, I never heard that he had a stroke years ago. 
but yeah, he's in he's in kind of bad shape. Okay. Yeah, no, the thing that I remember Tim Curry from, at least like when I looked up who Tim Curry was, because like I had heard the name so many times, but I was like, all right, but I need to put a name to the face. And then I saw his <laughs> face and I was like, oh, he was the hotel guy in Home Alone 2. Like, that's why I know Tim Curry is Home wow. Alone 2. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a lot of other things too. <laughs> yeah, right? I know him from Home Alone 2. I don't know him from really anything else. I recently saw Clue during the pandemic for the oh, first okay. time. And so, like, I recognize him from that now as well. But, like, originally, I'm like, yeah, he's the Home Alone 2 hotel manager who's just a sleazeball and terrible. Fantastic in that movie as well. Like, he, he does <laughs> oh, yeah. great. <laughs> Everything he does was great. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him do anything that I've been like, I don't believe you in this role. So, props to Tim Curry. But, anyway, Janet's upset. And Frankenfurter says that it isn't all bad and that she'll find it really quite pleasurable. Then he starts kissing her. Janet calls out for Brad and Frankenfurter shushes her, saying Brad is asleep and do you want him to see you like this? And Janet is like, like what? It's all your fault. What are you talking about? And that she's saving herself and Frankenfurter says, well, you aren't spent yet. And Janet's just like, well, I promise you won't tell Brad. Cross my heart and hope to die. And then they both start giggling and the video cuts away and I'm guessing it was just turned off by Riff Raff. And immediately in my notes, I'm like, what the fuck, Janet? Like, you have Brad over there. What are you doing? You're sleeping with Frankenfurter. You're horrible to Brad. I hate her so much. She is so, like, oh my God, I hate her. <laughs> yeah, so Brad and Janet are both pretty young, naive, and virgins themselves, the characters. Right. And so when someone like Frankenfurter, who is so manipulative and controlling and sexy, <laughs> comes along just sort of invites himself into their bed. Uh, I guess, you know, it was hard to refuse. I guess it was hard to refuse. That doesn't mean that I have to like Janet's actions, but... No, no, you don't. understand a little bit, maybe, but, like, hey, have some self-control. Like, you are, you are engaged, you seem to love Brad, but nothing that you've done so far makes me think that you love Brad. Like, you know, earlier in the film... He proposed, he wanted a kiss, and you were just like, no, 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 I'm going to show off my ring instead of giving you a kiss. I'm like, why? Why does Brad like you? He's so it's kind. Definitely, definitely some insight into their relationship. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like her, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> anyway, I can keep going on that for a while. So, like, <laughs> back to the movie. So... Magenta is mopping up the floor by the tank and Riff Ruff walks up to her and they have like this crazy look in their eye and have this idea. And then we see Riff Ruff walk up to a sleeping Rocky and there's a stained glass window of Atlas holding up the earth. Why? <laughs> uh, it's all about that muscle man figure. Okay. And trying to be, you know, the strongest man or whatever, and trying to build a strong man. Sure. Do they, do, do they know the myth where he was punished and that's his punishment? And that if he lets go, everyone dies? <laughs> well, um, Rocky is a created creature made from a couple of different, you know, things, including half of Eddie's brain. So, yeah, I learned that later. Uh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it, it goes into that whole strongman. You know, they're all about, you know, the Charles Atlas figure and things like that. Okay, yeah. I thought it was an interesting choice. It's a beautiful little stained glass piece. Yes. And the shot is quite nice as well in the camera work and how they do that. It was very interesting. I was just like, why specifically that one? Makes a bit more sense. Just muscle man and stuff. So, Riff Raff then grabs a candelabra, which, I'm not gonna lie, until I had to look up how to type it down, I always thought it was called a candle opera? Really? Th yeah, this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I thought it was candle opera. Nothing about it is, like, operatic. 
but I mean, they used to use candles in theaters and opera the- houses before they had <laughs> stage lights, electricity. Sure, I'm gonna claim that as my reasoning so that I sound smarter. There but uh, no, it was a hundred percent. I just had never had to look up how to spell the word, <laughs> and I just went on sounds. <laughs> but yeah, um, he grabs it, he hits Rocky in the back, and then starts scaring Rocky with the fire. Is it established earlier why Rocky's afraid of fire? It's all based off of Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein's monster is scared of fire. Yes. Okay. It's been a very long time since I've read Frankenstein. Yeah. That being said, I don't think I actually read Frankenstein when I was supposed to in high school. I think I Sparknotes did. So I don't know if I've actually read Frankenstein. (laughs) Yeah, no, the, the monster is afraid of fire, he fears fire, and then, like, the whole town comes after him with, like, you know, torches and stuff, so it's, it's foreshadowing. But, uh, but it's just sort of assumed that Rocky is afraid of fire because he's a created monster. Sure, okay, yeah, that gives so much more explanation of why he's scared of the fire. So, he's trying to get away from this fire. That riffraff, I don't know what's going on with riffraff. I have no idea why he's decided to just be like, let's mess with Rocky. Like, you seemed fine, riffraff. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Why? Like, I get it. You need some entertainment, sure. But, like, he's sleeping. Let let, Let poor Rocky sleep. He's not done anything wrong to you. He hasn't wronged you in any way, shape, or form. Like, what? why do you need to be a bully? Basically, so Magenta and riffraff, and Frankenfurter are all Transylvanians from this other planet. And yeah. it's sort of set up in a little while that Rocky is stealing all of Frank's attention from them. And they've all sort of been subservient to Frank up until, you know, close to the end of the film. And uh, yeah, and, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but they've all been subservient to Frank so far in his quest to, you know, create this man muscle man to have like you know yet another sexual partner basically sure yeah so they're messing with him he's trying to run away he manages to break free of the chains that he was chained down with and it causes the whole structure to fall on top of franken uh not frankenfurter on top of riffraff and rocky runs to the lift and then starts climbing down and i appreciate how uh, Riffraff just throws a singular candle after yes. him. Just one. Yes. He doesn't throw more than one. He's like, Mm-mm, I've tortured him enough. Here's one. Yeah. So <laughs> Rocky works on climbing away, and Riffraff and Magenta do this like dance or like ritual it, bit where they put their hands together and like move up. That, and that is called elbow sex. Elbow sex. Great. So they had elbow sex. That is elbow sex. <laughs> And then Riffraff sucks his sister's neck. Yes. Sister. Loose term. Aliens. You never know. Sure. Sure. At this point, I didn't know that they were aliens yet. So yeah. I was very baffled when I learned that. We'll probably get to that, honestly, at uh, next week's episode. But it's uh, it, we do learn that. So at this point, I've seen the film. Not really worried about, you know, major spoilers. But yeah, so Rocky's running away, and then we cut to Brad. And I was like, ah, we're back to the wholesome, loving Brad. And he's sleeping peacefully, and again the silhouette comes in. And this time it's a white light, which I thought was kind of interesting, how they chose red for Janet and white for Brad. Yeah, and it's kind of a bluish light, too. That white has it's so bright that it's like a blue tint. Sure, I'm colorblind, so oh. uh, white... <laughs> Yeah, so it is like red and blue for like female and male, but also uh, part of the audience participation is um, same room, cheap set, different filter. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, but if you look, the room literally matches when they knock into the basin. Oh, yeah, no, it is the exact same room. room. It is 100% the exact same room. And so we see the silhouettes and i was like oh is it gonna be columbia this time i wonder and janet says that they can't stay here it'll destroy us because janet's the one that walks into the room and i was like this is definitely not janet i thought it was columbia 
And I was like, shut up, Janet. Like, first of all, you're not Janet. But also, shut up. It's already destroyed you if you are Janet. You've already been succumbed to its ways. And, you know, you've already cheated on Brad. I don't have any good feelings for you. Anyway, Brad says, don't worry. It'll all be fine in the morning. And, uh, nope. Turns out it's just Frankenfurter again. I was wrong. <laughs> Here I was thinking that something else was going to happen. Nah, it's just Frankenfurter. He makes his way around. Yes, yes, he does. He's insatiable appetite. So, <laughs> his insatiable appetite. Then Brad is just like, okay, what have you done with Janet? And again, Frankenfurter lovingly just goes, nothing. Why? You think I should? True to his word, I see. I do appreciate that he didn't rat out Janet. And the audience participation for that is, so he says, uh, nothing yet. And the audience participation is, fuck the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair fair he probably did uh -huh. and brad says you know what i was tricked and frankenfurter's like well it's not all bad and then i was like okay this is just a repeat of the exact same scene that we just had uh -huh. like it's not just the same set it's the same scene i was like words are free <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate the symbolism but like words are free <laughs> i i think it's it you know, it's kind of a look on how easily they're both deterred from each other, Brad and Janet, mm. how easily they are separated and deterred just because their relationship is not necessarily cemented in stone, engaged or not. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. It's fun seeing the same scene done into different styles, even though that the wording is very similar, if not exactly the same. Yes. Um, but the scenes have completely different feelings to them. Like, Janet's feels much more sexual and much more, you know, uh, lust. You feel a lot more lust in that scene. Whereas in Brad's, I felt like you felt a lot more vulnerability in that scene um, with Brad. So, yeah. And Brad, you know... Then says, okay, well, he thought that it was the real thing. And Frankenfurt is just like, well, it's not all bad. And there's nothing wrong with giving yourself in to pleasure. Mm -hmm. And you've wasted so much time already. Let's not waste any more. This time, Frankenfurter doesn't say cross my heart and hope to die. Instead, he swears on his mother's grave that he won't tell Janet. And just as things are about to get hot and heavy, Riff Raff interrupts and tells Frankenfurter that Rocky has broken out of his chains and vanished. And that the new playmate is loose on the castle ground somewhere. And that Magenta has released the dogs. And Frankenfurter is just like, fine, I'm coming. And I thought he was just going to get up and leave. No, he uh, proceeds to stay and probably have sex with Brad. And I was just like, Brad, I expected better from you. Yeah, I liked so you. There, there's <laughs> the more audience participation there and also a fun fact. Um, yeah. When uh when Frank says coming, the audience participation is so is Brad. <laughs> and uh a fun fact is that there's actually a song that is in the the stage musical that is cut out of the movie, which is actually a very lovely song and you should look it up. It's called Once in a While where Brad sings. Okay. Is it like a Brad solo? It is, yes, pretty much. There's, you know, chorus members in the background but it's pretty much sure, Brad sure. solo it's a wonderful lovely touching song why did they cut it out of the film then i don't even Do you know know if they recorded it with him but it's in the stage play sure i don't know i that that's one thing that always fascinates me when you take a stage play and like make it into a film of why they cut out very specific things that happen in the stage play it's probably like a lull for timing it's like a lull because it kind of falls. Okay. It literally falls right there in that, in the middle of that scene. So. Yeah. I mean, we are just about like halfway through the film and I mean, the pacing is quite nice and is fairly quick and upbeat. So I don't feel like there's any issues with the pacing, but maybe that's why, but yeah, I don't know. I would have loved to have heard it, but I will definitely look it up afterwards and listeners, I'll try to leave a link in the description yes. so that you all once can also while. find it once in a while, which is sung by Brad. We'll 
I don't know which version that I'll find, but I'll try to find the original. Well, yeah, I'm so sure that it's up on YouTube somewhere. There's the the original <laughs> Roxy cast in LA recording, um, and then there's also the 2000 something Broadway revival as well. But I okay, I like the the Rox the original Roxy cast recording from LA. The original one, great. So, I'll try to so find the original one. The show opened in London, and then. Pretty soon after, like, I mean, it ran for several years at different theaters, but pretty soon after it, they opened it in the U.S. in L.A. at the Roxy Theater. And that cast recording is available on your streaming or whatever you want to download. Sure. Yeah, I'll probably just put a YouTube link so that it's easily accessible to everybody, hopefully. But yeah, is do you know if the members in the film were ever in like the original cast yes so uh the Is... the london cast the original cast had tim curry richard o'brien patricia quinn uh known as little nell so that's columbia magenta riffraff mm -hmm. frank and then when it moved to la meatloaf was cast in the original la production and it's okay. it's a fun story as to why Meatloaf was cast. If you list, if you go back and listen to Hot Patootie, you'll notice those verses are very quick, very quick, very quickly said. And Meatloaf was one yeah. of the only actors. And notice he has an American accent, not a London one. One of the only actors who could pull off singing Hot Patootie, the speed of it. Ah, and so he is. Okay. He was in the movie. And then you you get um, Richard O'Brien and him and Patricia and Nell, and then you get a brand new Brad and and they were not in the original Roxy cast. Okay, and I don't so think they were the... ever in the stage show. They're they're you know movie actors. They cast. They're just movie actors as such. Sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, and there's an interesting yeah. fact about Peter Henwood, but we'll get to that later. Oh. We'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that later. Okay. Ah, suspense. We'll get to it. <laughs> we have to wait. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I never realized that Hopatuti was that fast because I don't know. When I was hearing it, like, I mean, I'm also a singer and I've played instruments for most of my life. So, I guess for me, it didn't feel like it was really that fast. But I guess, like, I, and I need to look, I guess, closer to the lyrics a bit. But maybe it's just, like, tongue-twisty or something. I'm not fully sure. But, yeah, that's very interesting to know that that's how Meatloaf got cast. Well done to him. It pays sometimes to just be able to spit words out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Sing beautifully. <laughs> Sing beautifully. So, yeah, we see Janet. She's crying and asking where brad is and she's like where's anybody at this time we also see rocky and he's being chased by the dogs through the fields yes so here's and... here's an interesting fact if you are watching the yeah. movie if you look at i believe it's the third dog that goes running through you will notice that he actually is missing a leg and an ear oh he's like the last dog that comes running through on screen and he's missing a couple of pieces, body pieces. Poor little doggy. You know what? That's okay. That dog is still having the time of his life chasing Rocky. Yes, he is. And you know what? We love that. We love that he's still kicking and fighting, you know, despite despite the difficulties. But cool fun fact. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That I mean, they were on the screen for like, I think like a second and a half. Uh -huh. So they, they were not around for very long. <laughs> Janet is upset that she has done this to brad and i was like good you should be you should be upset you should be wallowing in your misery how could you <laughs> and you know she's upset and saying that if only the car hadn't broken down and if they were in a house of sane people mm -hmm. and i was like you made your choice <laughs> deal with the consequences no one asked you to sleep with frankenfurter this is on you <laughs> As you can tell, I really don't like her. So <laughs> Janet turns on the camera and she sees Brad smoking with Frankenfurter. And Frank, well, Brad's smoking. Frankenfurter's lying in his bed watching Brad having a cigarette. And Janet's upset with Brad. And I was like, I don't have any sympathy for you. 
I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm upset with Brad as well because, like, I expected better from him. But, like, I have no sympathy for Janet. She shouldn't get any sympathy. But apparently, like, you know, we'll find out. She's not really that sorry about what she just did. And she hears some groaning, and under the tarp, she finds a hurt Rocky. I'm not completely sure how he found his way back into the lab, <laughs> but uh, he's back in the lab. It's like he went back to his birthplace. He found yeah. He was just like this a few is... hours earlier. He found his birthplace again. You know, was curled up in a fetal position for safety. Yeah, he was just like, I'm gonna stay here. It's warm. It's safe. So, Janet asks if you know they did this to him. Rocky says yes, and I was like, that's a lie. I mean, maybe riffraff. I'm not sure how much damage, but you looked fairly okay when you like were running away and he threw a candle after you. But like, let's be honest, the dogs probably did this. So like, you know. But Rocky doesn't talk, so I'll let it slide. And she then rips her skirt and wraps up his hand, and then Rocky places his hand on Janet's, and we see her light up. And then we have the cigar man, and he says, Emotion, agitation or disturbance of mind, heavent, or excited mental state, also a powerful and irrational master. And from what Columbia and Magenta viewed on the monitor janet was indeed its slave and i was like okay is she rocky's slave or is she emotions slave it's definitely... i think it's more emotion yes <laughs> it is it's the emotion and also the fact that something has woken up inside of her yeah which is sexuality so it's woken up inside of her and now all these options are in front of her at this crazy castle exactly now I was curious, because I do know that this came out in the 1970s, and I was like, okay, I wonder what the Oxford Dictionary says now about emotion. Because it looked like we were getting this definition out of a dictionary. Right. So I went on to Oxford Dictionary Online, and this is what I found. We have two definitions. We have emotion for the noun, and it's originally an agitation of mind, an excited mental state, Subsequently, any strong mental or instinctive feeling as pleasure, grief, hope, fear, etc. Emotion verb is transitive, to affect or imbue with emotion, to make emotional. So in the last 50 years, the definition has changed. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just, just a slight bit. But it makes sense that in 50 years it would. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'd be very surprised if, uh, you know, the definition of a word hasn't changed in 50 years. But, you know, I'm sure that there are words that the definition hasn't changed in 50 years. Like, I don't know, maybe pencil. I feel like a pencil 50 years ago was very similar to a pencil now. So mm -hmm. I don't think they've changed that much. <laughs> but who knows? I might be wrong. I would I think. Don't know. A, I didn't. I would think a psychiatric yeah. term would probably change a lot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just just a little bit. Um, you know, we've we've learned more about emotions. <laughs> so they both tell us about it, and Janet is laughing, and Janet starts singing and says that she's only been kissed by Brad before, and now all she wants is how to go. She wants more, and then she rips her skirt, says she won't resist. And then she just says, touch me, like, 1,500 times. And then goes, touch me, I want to be dirty. Yep. And I was like, okay, a few things. One, I love how Magenta and Columbia are just joking around about all of this as well. It's a fun little dynamic that they're just watching this, and it's a good time. Mm -hmm. Two, Janet seems to just be sleeping with everybody but Brad, who is her fiancé. Yes. It's kind of that. And... I guess it's kind of like um, there used to be this perspective where, you know, a man could sleep around, but you waited with that one woman that you were going to marry because you didn't want to marry, yeah. a, you know, a slut or whatever. And so maybe it's kind of taken from from that perspective, only it's a woman doing it this time. Maybe I had no issue with people sleeping with other people or whatever. It was just like, hey, you have said that you love this man, that you're saving yourself for him. You've already broken that, but like, fine. But it's like, you know, then 
like maybe two minutes ago, you were feeling sad and upset and you were like, how could I have done this to you? Oh my God, I feel terrible. Hey, look, hot guy with blonde hair. Yes. Like, come on, you can't have both. You got to pick one side or the other. Like you can't have both. Yeah. So it is, it's definitely like the emotional state that she was in, but also she says here, I'll dress your wounds. And the audience participation is an undress mine because the only thing that she's wearing is half a slip, which is a skirt and a bra. So she takes a part of her slip to wrap his wounds. And uh, as she slowly becomes undressed, things happen. Yeah, things uh, things slowly happen. And, you know, things get pretty, pretty sexy. And uh, we cut away. And, you know, after that song ends, it's a very fun song. And my... Flatmate and uh, one of our friends happened to be home while I was uh, hearing it and listening to the song. And they were like, well, that's going to be stuck in our heads the rest of the day. And then they left the house. So I'm glad that they went out on a day in London just hanging out. And, uh, you know, that's the song that's stuck in their head. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I could give this to the world. As long as they're not singing out loud in public. You know what? I don't know. For all I know, they may have gone to Buckingham Palace and be singing Touch Me out loud in public. I, I don't know what they've done today. The last I saw them was about eight hours ago. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all I know, they might be. <laughs> so, we get to Frankenfurter, and he is whipping Riffraff. And he says he's very upset because Riffraff was meant to be watching Rocky and says, try to find him on the monitors. I just also appreciated Brad just standing in the elevator in the back, just in a very nice pale blue robe. It was just a nice robe. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a silk kimono sort of robe. <laughs> yeah, it was just a nice color. I was like, that's that's a nice color. Um, so turns out we have a visitor, and it is Doctor Everett V. Scott, who, as I said earlier, I. I will always refer to him in his full name of Dr. Everett V. Scott because that is the only proper way to, you know, refer to him. Everyone says Dr. Scott or something, and I'm like, no, no, no. That's that's not acceptable. You have to say the full name when it's that wonderful of a name. Is V Riffraff. stands for Vaughn. Yeah, um, I thought the V would stand, like, I didn't know what it stood for. I was, like, very, like, Dr. Everett, very Scott. I have no idea. Like, it could have literally stood for anything. I wouldn't have cared. So, Riffraff asks if he knows this Earthling, and that's when I was like, why is he calling them an Earthling? But I still didn't know why. I was like, why is he calling him an Earthling? But then he quickly changes to person. So I was like, okay, fine, like, whatever. There's some really fun play uh there with the audience participation oh yeah because um you know it's, it's riff and frank looking at each other and it's uh he says earthling and then he corrects it to person and person. uh the audience participation is uh watch o'brien fuck you curry it's my movie <laughs> Fantastic. It's it, it is Tim Curry's movie, let's be honest. But O'Brien wrote it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. He did write it. I also did appreciate that like he wrote it and he didn't write himself as the main character. And I do really appreciate that cuz a lot of times I feel like we see when people write something and act in it Many times, not all the time, but many times they are also the main character in whatever they're writing. And so it's just a fun little thing where he's like, nah, I'm good with like, you know, 15 minutes of screen time or something like, you know, I'm fine with being a side character in this. I'm pretty sure that Rich O'Brien realized he could never be Frankenfurter. Oh, you know what? (laughs) Fair enough. I do not know much about Richard O'Brien. So, yeah. Hey, props to him for knowing who and who he cannot play yes perfect as riff <laughs> so yeah he was he was lovely as riffraff no complaints um no no complaints over like any of the performances given by the actors in this film and you know as i was saying in early ep- episodes we're in a world of camp and once you accept that world 
we're good. And it's just you have to accept that world. And as long as we accept the world that we're in, we can then have fun in the world that we're in. So. True. Very true. Yeah. So Brad says that, yeah, I know this person. He's an old friend. And Frankenfurter is upset and saying it wasn't a chance meeting and that they came here on purpose. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. Frankenfurter's upset. I mean, it didn't have to try very hard on that one. But I couldn't figure out why yet. And he's insisting that, you know, well, Brad insists that the car broke down. Frankenfurter doesn't believe him. And Frankenfurter says, you know, Dr. Everett V. Scott is known to him. And that he used to be, we find out that he used to be a teacher at the Denton High School. He now works for the government and is attached to the FBI in their search about UFOs. Where is this all going was my question right here. I was so confused of why aliens suddenly got introduced to this world. <laughs> I was like, this, this hasn't been part of anything. Like, how, why, why are aliens now a part of this? Very confused. Do not know what's going on. Yeah, it goes back and to the Brad... time warp, and if you notice, it says Transylvanian Convention. Yeah, I did see that, but, I mean, Transylvania is also a place in the... It is, yeah. You know, Earth. So I was just like, great, they're from Transylvania. We know where that is. <laughs> cool. Um, which is, for anyone uh, listening, I believe it is a region in Romania. If I am not mistaken, Transylvania is a region in Romania, but it isn't like its own country or anything like that. And if I'm wrong, uh, Leah, who was my flatmate for a while from Romania, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and so Brad isn't sure what he's talking about. And Dr. Everett V. Scott is starting to enter the building. And I was like, how? What is your security system? Like, why is your door open? You can see what's happening, but like you've just left the front door open. What is this security system? It makes zero sense. I mean, they they might leave the front door open, but they do have those cameras everywhere. And um, eventually they take control of his wheelchair. So, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's frank converted is like he's probably in the zen room and and then he's like let's meet this person he goes to a giant magnet and then dr everett v scott is just sent through the house on his wheelchair because of this magnet and i was like one this is a very fun way to just like fly around this house <laughs> two why is there sitar and tabla music and, like, Indian classical music playing while he's flying around this house? Because they start in the Zen room. Okay. <laughs> it's like a hookah yeah. lounge. <laughs> yeah, that's not a Zen room. That's a hookah lounge, <laughs> first of all. That ain't a Zen room. <laughs> there, I, I think I counted, like, three hookahs in there. Um, Yeah, uh... That was definitely not a Zen room, but <laughs> a very interesting choice of music for for that little tidbit of entertainment. Yeah. So it gets them through the house quickly and straight to them. Look, he gets straight to them. It's effective. And then Dr. Everett V. Scott breaks through the wall and Brad says, Great Scott. And I was like, Oh, it's Doc from Back to the Future. And then <laughs> I realized, wait, that hasn't come out yet. No. <laughs> So, yeah, because um, Back to the Future, which is a film that I've actually seen. Hey. I did disappoint my flatmate earlier today because he just kept trying to name films. And I was like, I, I kept saying I hadn't seen them. And he just kept getting more and more upset. So I just had to eventually be like, dude, just assume that I haven't seen a film every now and again. I might like surprise you and be like, I've seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, he was he was very fascinated. I was like, that, that's the whole reason this show exists. So that I watch things. Yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Everett V. Scott comes down the ramp and he smashes into the magnet and is like, Frank and Furter, we meet at last. And right there, we're going to take a quick break for the intermission. And then we'll come back right back. 
Hello everyone and welcome to the intermission of this episode. I hope you're all enjoying this episode of Post Finale as we continue to talk about the audience participation and figuring out more of what is going on in Brad and Janet's life. Oh boy, it's a doozy. Anyway, before we can jump back into that, I have some very exciting news to share with you all. So, the changes that I have been mentioning the last couple weeks is that we are adding video to post finale so starting in the middle of november with the next film that we do we will be adding a video component as well so if you want to see the video and you want to see our faces while i continue to be confused about films then you can do so and if you don't care about my face and just want to hear me be confused you can still do that you should still be able to get the audio files no matter what app you are using but just another way for you to enjoy the show but i do want to keep you all in the loop of how the timeline is looking so next week on november 1st you will be getting the final episode of us going through the rocky horror picture show and that is going to round out this little section and then on the 8th and the 15th we are going to be taking a break from posting just so that we can focus on making sure that it is a smooth transition as we are adding video and then we will be back on November 22nd with the next episode of post finale so next week still an episode then a two-week break and then we'll be back back to our regular weekly uploads so no worries there thank you so much for understanding that we just need two weeks just to make sure that everything's a smooth transition but don't worry all of the episodes that will be released before we make the transition should still continue to be live so you'll still be able to hear anything that we've already gone through so no worries about that now The other thing that I want to mention is that in this episode, we talk about a song that Brad sang, and turns out that there was a version that Barry Botswick sang, and so I have linked that as well as the original track that I could find, the original recording, in the description below for you all to enjoy. And other than that, please follow the show on social media at post finale pod instagram facebook twitter soon to be tiktok but not yet i mean i think technically the tiktok page exists but there's nothing posted but soon to be tiktok as well so at post finale pod and talk about the show word of mouth is the best way to grow the show just reach out and be like hey there's this actor and this musician who has never seen films and you love films come check it out what it's like as he watches films for the first time he's generally confused and usually notices things that sometimes other people don't so it's a good time it really does mean a lot to me to everyone who has done that and to everyone who will do that in the future thank you in the future but i've been talking for a while so let's get back to the episode and figuring out what in the world is going on in this wacky world. So, Brad, who is just super related that Dr. Everett V. Scott is now here, is like, hi, hello! And Dr. Everett V. Scott, very confused of why Brad is here. Yes. I appreciate it. I appreciate that he is confused as well. It confirms what Brad was saying earlier that, you know, this is all just happenstance. We just happen to know each other. There is some fun and audience participation there too. Please get please inform. <laughs> so so Dr. Scott Dr. Scott says, Brad, what are you doing here? And the audience participation is, ah, just fucking around. <laughs> Wonderful. I am going to try to see if I can find a viewing, a live viewing that uh, is happening because we're recording this currently in September. Yes. But I'm sure that a ton of live viewings are going to happen in and around London in October. Yes, they do. But I'm going to try to see if I can find one and go to it. You must. And then I will, that'll be the bonus content for this movie that I do. That'd be fun. Uh, of what was my experience in that having only seen the film once but like all right i've been told i now need to go see this in person yeah so we'll find out we'll find out i'll try to see if i can find one that fits my schedule um i'm really hoping i do go but go and dress up and have fun 
Yeah, I will have to figure out what to dress up as because I do not know. Even if you I don't, don't have like a specific character, you know, costume in mind, you can always just, you know, dress up for the fun of it as anything. <laughs> I mean, hey, not I'm an actor. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Exactly. I don't need an excuse to dress up and go everything. do something fun. Except yeah, everyone. it's just, yeah, that's all it is. Have fun, accept people, and just, you know, enjoy yourself. Uh, for any listeners that are listening, because this episode will come out, actually, it should be coming out, if my timing is right, a week before Halloween. So if any of the listeners are listening, uh, you have six days until Halloween. See if you can find one. Go have some fun. Just be accepting of everyone. That's all, that's all we ask. Just be kind. And if you do go, uh, just tell them to listen to this podcast. That's the only thing I, re- I, I, I request. There you go. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Something about this film. So, <laughs> Frankenfurter says, don't play games. And you know why Brad is here. Uh, <laughs> it's all part of your plan that he and his female should have checked the layout for you. Well, unfortunately for you, all the plans are about to be changed. And Frankenfurter hopes that Dr. Everett V. Scott is adaptable. He knows that Brad is. And I was like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the subtle hint of like, Brad's flexible. I don't know about you. <laughs> and Dr. Everett V. Scott is just like, all right, Brad being here was a surprise to me as well. Which is also some more fun audience participation. Oh, okay. So, What's that before I finish? <laughs> it is like, the line so von scott goes chad or uh brad's presence here comes as a complete surprise to me didn't you read the fucking script (laughs) (laughs) pretty fun fair but like in his defense dr everett v scott never read the script (laughs) the movie just saying (laughs) The doctor, Dr. Everett V. Scott never read the script. The actor probably read the script. <laughs> yes, that's true. Or at least I would hope that he read the script. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely not, not Dr. Everett V. Scott's fault that he doesn't know that Brad is here. But he's actually here to find Eddie, which makes me really happy. Because I was half right, maybe, with a prediction that I made a while, a long time ago, before Eddie even showed up, where it was that Dr. Everett V. Scott and Eddie were, like, working together and were, like, rivals to Frankenfurter in his science expedition or something like that. So that was the prediction that I made. Uh, Obviously, I was very wrong in that, but I feel vindicated that there was some type of connection between Dr. Everett V. Scott and Eddie. So, Frankenfurter's very nervous, and I just wanted to point out amazing work with his facial expressions by Tim Curry. I mean, it's throughout the whole film, but especially this moment right here, the way the makeup brings out his eyes with the mascara, and his eyebrows, are they like painted on for this film they are. Like, what's going on there it's totally like it's totally um out of the ordinary um trans makeup it's like a uh, glam meets trans it's like glam rock and roll from the 70s meets trans gender and um actually fun fact the makeup for uh the makeup that tim curry had in the play was much less than what they did in the movie and it's actually there have been quotes that Tim Curry said he did not like the makeup they used in the movie. Okay. He doesn't like Do we know why it was so much more for the movie? Um, well, I mean, I could make predictions about lighting and film and things like that, but I think that they just hired a completely different makeup artist and the director was just like, yeah, let's do something else. And it does combine the, the rock and roll glam, glam rock from the seventies and, you know, this crazy, trans over the top makeup design okay yeah he's also kind of like like a vampire would be you know so it's kind of like the horror it's kind of like that horror movie play anyway yeah well i had notes about it later but we're talking about the makeup now so we can talk about it because it doesn't make a difference of what's happening in the film 
But I was like, why is he so pale? Like, why? I was curious on why they, like, it felt like they just used white makeup and put white makeup on his face. I'm pretty sure that that... I was like, why? I'm pretty sure that that has to do with um, the fact that that Rich O'Brien originally wrote Rocky Horror to kind of play up those B-rated horror movies from, you know, his childhood, from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so it was like kind of a kind of goes along with the the vein of those because if it was shot in black and white he would just look really pale ah okay yeah that makes a bit more sense yeah i mean i was just fascinated by the makeup altogether i mean i think it's i think it's very well done but again knowing that now knowing that like tim curry didn't like the makeup in the movie he thought it was too over the top (laughs) yeah and I kind of see where he's coming from it because like I would think that it would be this over the top in the stage production <laughs> but that it wouldn't have to be as over the top in the film because with film you can do so much more close-ups like yeah it doesn't make sense of why you've gone the opposite way I guess a little bit well if you think about it, the stage show was pretty early in the 70s and this was more like mid 70s when the movie came out and so I guess within those few years they were like oh let's take this homage to to not just the horror movies but also to David Bowie and what he's been doing with um with his stuff and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't... yeah okay so it was like the, the so... David Bowie glam rock Okay, that makes sense. And if you think about it, I don't know if this is true or not, because I, I was not around in the early 70s, and I also was not in London in the original production. But if you think about it, low production theater, act, a lot of actors do their own makeup, and they don't necessarily have professional makeup artists hired to do this. So there's always a possibility that maybe he did his own or someone else did it. And then when it came to, you know, L.A. and to America, they were like, ooh, let's, let's go over the top with this. <laughs> I mean, that's very possible. I've been in loads of theater shows and, you know, as an as an actor who's literally just starting my career, I've never had someone do my makeup for me for a theater show. Yeah, I've but if always you, had to do my own makeup. Right. But if you're in a film, they always have professional makeup artists do your makeup. Yeah. Like even even a couple of short films that I did, like they had professional makeup artists come in and do the makeup for short films and a lot of that is the lighting and and you know back in the day they were using actual film instead of the digital right yeah that probably played a big role into it too Mm -hmm. interesting i might have all played a factor into it but yeah it was just something that like it it stuck out to me of how and i mean the makeup is incredible but i also do understand why the actors probably, you know, it's iconic makeup, but they probably didn't enjoy it. It's the same way that I'm blanking on the actor's name, um, but the actor who plays Gimli in the Lord of the Rings franchise, he hated getting his makeup done <laughs> um, because he had to sit there for four hours every day doing prosthetics on his face yeah and so i completely understand where tim curry might even be coming from of you know one he felt like it was too over the top for the character that he probably originated and at the same time it was also you know like it was just he might have had to sit in a makeup chair for two and a half hours which he felt like a was a waste for sitting there for two and a half hours every day I also, you'll notice that there's like a clear line of white around his face and it doesn't, you know, get faded into his neck at all. So it also kind of might represent a mask. Okay. Yeah. It it does. It does make his jawline very defined. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, man's already got a great jawline, but like the makeup definitely enhances it. (laughs) Yes. So... Anyway, that was the fun makeup chat with uh, Abby and Ankit. It was a rabbit hole uh, Back of to the film. <laughs> rabbit hole of makeup. Hey, we're here for rabbit holes. If you didn't want rabbit holes, go watch the film. It's significantly shorter than listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad says that he has seen Eddie, but is cut off by Frankenfurter before he can reveal any more information and asks what Dr. Everett V. Scott knows of Eddie. 
And Dr. Everett V. Scott knows a great deal of things about Eddie because Eddie is his nephew. And immediately I was like, what? I'm sorry, nephew? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that threw me. I was like, okay. I was not prepared for a nephew to show up in this situation ship of people. But I guess he's his nephew. Another fun fact, because they are supposed to be nephew and uncle, they're actually uh-huh. played by they're played by the same actor in the stage show. Oh, okay. So Very cool. Even in LA, Meatloaf played Dr. Scott and um Eddie. That is fantastic. And I mean it does make sense because like, you know, you don't have to pay two different actors. You have one. And they're never on stage at the same time. They're never yeah, they're never on stage at the same time and they're supposed to be related. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, change up the makeup a bit, change up the hair a bit, and it's like, boom, different person, done. So, yeah, why wouldn't you? And so, Frankenfurter finally shuts off the magnet, and we hear Janet squeal from inside the tank. And Frankenfurter finds Rocky and Janet just covered by a sheet. Where did they get the sheet? It was already there. It was there. Oh, it was already there. Yeah, so when, um, if you go back to when uh, Rocky is being created or coming to life, there's a giant oh, it was that sheet. unveiling sheet, and that is left in the tank, and that is what Rocky was around when he came back to uh, from, from being chased by the dogs. Okay, cool. I just didn't realize it was the th- same sheet. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so we then get hit with a fun bit where everyone just keeps saying each other's names multiple times. Yeah. And... Rocky just stares. I appreciate the commitment to Rocky cannot talk. I do question it. I did question it. (laughs) Yeah, I did question that already. So we're not diving into that rabbit hole. But like, he can't talk. We've accepted it. So. In the audience participation, that's called the Mouse Kateer roll call. The Mouse Kateer roll call. Uh Uh-huh. Please explain. Janet. Rocky, Bullwinkle, Janet, Dr. Scott, Janet, Brad, Rocky, Bullwinkle. <laughs> Bullwinkle. Mouseketeer. Well, Rock, so Rocky and Bullwinkle. This is right. some classic audience participation here. It might go back to a, the cartoon character, Rocky and Bullwinkle. No cartoon I have characters. no idea who you're talking about. Okay. Well, that's that's a thing. <laughs> um, and then Mouseketeer roll call was from the Mickey Mouse show where they had uh, Mouseketeers and they would just, they would like appear on camera with their faces and just say their name. Okay. Well, that's that. Fun. I mean, it, it, it was silly. <laughs> yes, it is. It went on for a fair amount of time. And Frankenfurter finally says, I made you and I can break you just as easily. And I was like, how dark? Uh-huh. Like, oh my god. Magenta hits a gong and says, dinner is prepared. And Frankenfurter says, excellent. Under the circumstances, formal dress is optional. Toga, toga, toga. First of all, toga. Please, someone be, someone please be wearing a toga. <laughs> and second of all, um... I'm sorry, what time are you having dinner at this place? Obviously pretty late. It's like the middle it's of like the night. It's like 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> They're aliens, they don't know any better. You know what? I didn't know this at the time, so yeah. I was like, okay, I guess we're having just a real late night dinner. Uh, they're night owls. They're night owls. This is how I justified yeah, it. They're you night know, owls. They sleep uh-huh. at 7 a.m. I mean, they these guests arrive. They sleep at 8. These guests arrived, and and then a creature was created, and then, you know, they all go to bed, but why not throw dinner in? No one actually goes to bed. They all just sleep together. Um, Well, let's be honest. They all just really sleep with Frankenfurter. Uh, (laughs) Janet sleeps with Rocky because, you know, Janet's a slut, as we've established, and has no feelings for Brad, no matter what she says. She doesn't. I will die on this hill. <laughs> and yeah. So we're off to dinner. We're back with the cigar man. He says that food has always played a vital role in life's rituals. The breaking of bread. The last meal of a condemned man. And now, and now this the meal. last supper. Yeah. And that I did appreciate. Like it. I did then think about it. And I was like, yeah, no, like you are right. Like. Food has always played a very pivotal role. Like, if you look at a lot of 
stories from the past, like food shows up in some way, shape, or form. Um, in most cultures, in most folk tales, in most uh, myths, different things, like food ends up making an appearance in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, we all need it. But, however informal, and I'm glad that he did mention that it was informal, because as we established, fancy formal dress is optional. So, toga, please, someone wear a toga. Yeah. Um, it's optional, but you can be sure that there was to be very little bonohom. Bonohom? Bonohim? Bonohim. Bonohim. Is that like Bohemia? It's, um, it's like bonami. It's like a food, like enjoyment bonham, right? Hold on. Hold on, I'm googling. Uh, good-natured, easy friendliness is what I am finding. There you go. Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we learn things here on post finale, uh, like new words. So yeah, we're. It's, it's time it's for French. dinner. Is it French? Uh, let's see. Uh, it is. Uh, English speakers from French. Look at that. She got it. She got it right. But we're heading off to dinner. But uh, this is also where we are going to end this episode of Post Finale. So, Abby, thank you so much for joining. It was absolutely lovely. And you're going to be the guest for the next episode as well. Mm. So, listeners, don't worry. You're going to hear more of Abby and her fun facts of all the audience participation. And more of, you know how she got into this film, all of that. But if people want to find you on the internet doing various things, I know you're an actor and that you're doing stuff. Where can they find you? How can they potentially come see something that you're in or something that you've worked on? Any of that, feel free. Uh, I live in the Nashville area, so I make appearances on various stages and or my sets do. I'm Abby Waddups. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um... Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, when we finish up Rocky Horror Picture Show, and oh boy, it's a doozy, uh, be sure to tune in. And until then, I'll catch y'all later. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Post Finale. Post Finale is created, hosted, produced, and this week edited by me, Ankit Madeira. Our music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rothen. As mentioned previously, next week there will still be an episode, but then the two weeks following that we will be taking a break as we transition into adding a video component to Post Finale as well. Thank you all for understanding. If you would like to stay updated with the show and soon to see some very funny clips of what's going on behind the scenes and things like that, you can do so by following us on social media at Post Finale Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to share the show talk about the show it is the best way to help grow the show and it really does mean a lot just reach out to a friend family member anybody and just be like hey you love movies come check out this podcast where this actor watches movies for the very first time it's quirky it's silly he doesn't take himself too seriously but all around it's a good time and a positive time so come on down it really does help and thank you so much to everyone who has done this and who will do this in the future and I'm just really thankful you tuned into this episode and be sure to tune in next week as we finish talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show and oh boy is it one hell of an ending but be sure to tune in next week and until then I'll catch y'all later.